0: Welcome to Short Course, episode 50, for February 22nd, 2019. I'm your host, Ben Barry. I'm going to try and keep this episode fairly upbeat and productive, but the topic today is mostly just the fact that I have been feeling like I've been in a bit of a slump or a skid for the past couple of weeks, and I'm not really sure what's causing it. Um, I've got some ideas, and I'll talk about that today but the the main product is just radically reduced motivation to practice to to shoot matches and honestly you know seriously thinking about like what am i doing this for you know is do i really want to put in the time this year to to, to ratchet this whole machine back up and and you know really go for it and so i mean i think the answer is yes right i, I do like this sport quite a bit I've, I've invested quite a lot in it but um you know even even for someone as invested as I am, there are moments that, that challenge your faith. And um, I thought it might be interesting to, to just talk about that this week. I think this has to start with where I am in the shooting season. And I, I think that's that's the crux that kicked all this off. And it started, I think, around the first of the year when I wrote on my the whiteboard in my office a a schedule of every weekend between now and the South Carolina section match at the end of March. And I planned out that in January, I was going to practice three times and shoot a club match. In February, I was going to practice two times and shoot two club matches. And then in March, I was going to practice one time and shoot three club matches. And then I was going to shoot the section match at the end of the month. Seemed like a perfect ramp up, start with practice, get more club matches in. The problem is, that just has not happened. Uh, and, and not through lack of trying it's the, so the, the first week in January was uncharacteristically warm. I think it was in the fifties or something. I ended up going in, in long pants and a short sleeve shirt and having a, a really good practice session. And it felt like a good start to the year. Got, got a good head of steam coming out of the gate. And then the very next weekend it was 40 degrees out, but my calendar said, dang it, I'm going to practice. So I'm going to go. And I went and I set up my targets and it was, it was. I think it, it provided negative value all told. I think it demoralized me and frustrated me more than it helped. And, you know, that's because a couple things, but you know, mostly just there's just, I was not, I, I don't know how you can effectively practice in 40 degree weather. I just couldn't keep my hands warm enough. And so it was a matter that every run I either would have to wait minutes between reps to, to warm my hands back up or to pace the targets, or try and get in a groove, and then my hands would start to get cold and I'd lose dexterity and I'd fumble a grip or fumble a reload and and that would break my concentration. And so it was it was basically impossible to to sort of productively get into a groove and, and make progress on any drill. But my calendar said I was going to practice that weekend, so dang it I went to practice that weekend. And I, you know, there's an idea that that that's a good thing, but I think, I think I made a mistake in that. I think that trying to let myself <laughs> create my own reality distortion field and just tell myself that, you know, I just gotta, I just gotta grit through it and just make it happen. It it didn't work. It it didn't help. That that practice session didn't help. And honestly, that that kind of turned me off. As it happened, the the next weekend I actually ended up being out of town. Uh, when i wasn't expecting to when i originally wrote that schedule and then the weekend after that i'm not exactly sure what happened but i'm fairly sure it's just been cold and rainy at the very least it's been cold and for the last probably two or three weeks it's been cold and drizzly and just wet uh pretty much constantly for, for the last couple of weeks and so uh, i talked about the the sir walter club match that i shot which was you know seven stages After they threw out one stage, and I would say maybe the middle three of them, we were actually warm for. But when we were, as soon as the sun dipped below the trees, it started to get cold, and it was, it's just, you know, it was, it was, I I don't want to come across as too whiny here, but it just was not uh, optimum conditions to really shoot well when you're out of practice. And then this past weekend, I I shot uh, another club match. And it was so – the, the forecast was showing rain and some cold, but it was supposed to taper off. But it never really did. It just kept drizzling and misting the whole day. And a lot of people dropped out because it was supposed to rain. And so the, the, the squads are pretty small. We had bags on the targets. And it was just it was just a grind. It was, it was an endurance match. And, again, coming off the, the last Sir Walter match, which, as I detailed in the podcast, was challenging in a number of ways. Uh, not having a chance to practice in between just because it's it has been so cold it, it was it was just it was another it was another flop it was very demoralizing I didn't perform at the level that i that I wanted to or expected to and maybe that's the issue is you know I'm having these expectations and I just they're they're unfounded I, I sort of have to come into the new season with a blank slate and not just assume that I can perform at the level that I was at when I was trained up at the end of last season but all of this sort of whining and belly aching about the weather comes back around to the idea that I think I think one of the mistakes that I made this season is thinking thinking in too large of a time frame, thinking in terms of the season, trying to construct some arbitrary structure that my season needed to rigidly fit, and not giving myself any out when the weather has just been terrible and practice is, is, if I go, is going to be unproductive and just going to make me less motivated to keep practicing and not more. And so I think the lesson I take away from this part of it is just to not try and plan things out, especially individual practice sessions and that sort of thing, not not trying to plan that out as far ahead. And historically, I haven't. But this year, trying to take a more organized approach and, and be more coordinated and kind of give myself the motivation to get into gear early because this first major match is coming so early in the season or in the early in the year. I'm hesitant to, to talk in the in terms of seasons at this point. It, it just, I, I thought I would try and be more organized and I, I think it's, I think it's been counterproductive, which is not to say that, that doing anything else would have been better. I mean, I think it's just, it's been a crappy year to try and get a jump start on, on training. It's just that, that, that's, that's just an objective statement and. The only thing that I've done is by trying to ignore reality, I've just tired myself out. And so that's not been particularly productive. And this kind of schedule tyranny can, can bite you on the other end. I know the, the other place where it's certainly been a problem is in seasons or let's say years, in years where say nationals comes very late in the year, then you end up sticking to some kind of schedule to, to try and keep your motivation up all the way through the end of sort of stretching yourself beyond where you, where you naturally would have tried to wind down your year. And so by sticking to that schedule, by the time you get to the other side of that deadline, then you're just so exhausted that, that you, you end up backsliding or you, you take more time off than, than would have been healthy because you're, you're burnout. And, and so that, that leads to a form of burnout. And so whether it's starting too early or running too late, because, you know, by, by putting yourself on too rigid of a schedule, I think you can you can create this situation, and this this year I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but this year is going to be very unusual on both ends because of that. So this year traditionally I I usually shoot the South Carolina section match because it's one state over, and it, they, it's a good it's a good crowd. I like seeing the the South Carolina and the Georgia boys, and it's um yeah it's just one of the matches I always shoot. But this is the earliest in the year that it's ever been and nationals for me in in low cap being the first week in November is going to be the latest in the year that it's ever been. And so this season is definitely going to be if I try to approach my season as running from January 1st to November 4th or whenever the 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 nat- whenever nationals is, it's it's not gonna work it's it's just gonna it's just gonna burn me out. and I knew that going in. But I thought, okay, maybe let, let's get a jump on South Carolina early and then maybe take a break mid season somewhere where it feels right. But um I think in terms of not not wearing myself out and not expending all my motivation and expending my my willingness to put up with with setbacks, in, in terms of keeping some of that in reserve, I think trying to start early even when the the ambient conditions have just been utterly unconducive to it is it, it's turned out to be a bad idea something else that that definitely has been on my mind and this was a bit of a wake up call from a an indoor outlaw match that I shot monday which it was it was 2 days after the the Carolina Guns and Gear USPSA match that I shot that really just the the one with the bags and the rain all day that just that just ground me down i thought okay like local kind of pickup outlaw match. This is my chance. Just shoot, get, you know, get a, get a kind of, I don't want to say an easy win because I wasn't expecting to beat all the other people there, but get a couple good stages under my belt in an environment that I'm comfortable with. There's no chance of rain at the indoor match. It's going to be reasonably warm. This is this is sort of a chance to, to turn things around, get a, get a small victory under my belt to, to kind of build up some positive momentum. And that didn't happen either. It wasn't until the, the third stage when I was, I went to, to load and make ready and I was so relaxed and so almost lackadaisical with the way I was racking the slide to chamber around that I actually short stroked the slide and the round got caught on the feed ramp. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going into this trying to be like it's no big deal. Again, just trying to be relaxed and just kind of let the greatness happen or I I don't even know how to describe it, but, but I just realized I was, I was not taking the stages that I was shooting nearly seriously enough in, in my physical demeanor. And now I'm not saying that make ready means, you know, if you have a good make ready, you'll have a good stage. Although I think the two are probably correlated. They're they're probably not entirely unrelated, but that that was just sort of a wake up call that I think, and, and I don't know exactly where this comes from. Maybe it's just, having shot a decent season last year and then and then taking a break. But I just I'm I'm not coming into it with the with the focus I need to. I'm just kinda like, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can I can shoot this stuff. Let me just yeah, let me go first. And especially going first. I mean, talked about it on the Sir Walter match, the the first stage of the day, I took a a failure to engage because I was just I was so relaxed that I didn't even verify that my round count was correct. And so it's it's just this complete I don't know. Lack of seriousness, lack of the proper level of attention that that I've been giving the sport, which is crazy because I'm going, especially the 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 USPSA match. I'm spending all day, spending my money, shooting a bunch of ammo, driving an hour away to to shoot this match, and then when it's actually time to shoot, I'm not taking it seriously. It it doesn't make any sense. But that was that was kind of a wake up call there. That's something else that I'm trying to turn around and. Uh, the last stage of the day I did of of that match I did go go into it with a little bit more seriousness I was more sort of deliberate about even just making ready and sort of putting on I don't know the best way I can put it's like I kind of I put on my war face I wasn't just like okay yeah yeah like let's step up and and burn him down which wasn't my conscious mindset then either but it was it was more in that vein it was more relaxed but it's like all right time to shoot this is this is my this is my time. This is the the I've been preparing for this, visualizing this stage. This is my one chance. Take it seriously. And it seemed to help. I, I did have a performance that I was reasonably happy with. Of of the four stages of the match, it was certainly the the one that I was happiest with. So that was that, that was a slight glimmer of progress, I suppose you could say. And, and so that's something I'll be I'll be taking forward as well, trying to get out of this rut. Um, one thing that I do think is is kind of an easy win is something that has dogged me all last year was chronic light primer strikes, and I know I've talked about it on the podcast before. And I thought I'd fixed it with changing how my press is is mounted and and how I'm seating the primers and making sure to check the primers, and that that's mostly all true. You know, last year I was I went thousands of rounds without issues, but at all three of these matches that I've talked about, at one point or another, I've had intermittent, like one out of a hundred, light strikes, and that—that's not very much. But when it's just the cherry on top of a crappy match where you feel like things aren't going your way, and then oh by the way, this chronic problem with your gun not running correctly is has has cropped back up. That's just, uh, it's just very very frustrating because it makes you feel like if I can't even get this one stupid thing right. Then, then what am I doing? And I think this ties into a bigger issue. And it seems like a really stupid thing to, to, a stupid hill to die on this, this primer issue. But in my mind, what it comes down to is something probably bigger than, I, than it should be. But there's this idea that I have that I've noticed in people in the, the amount that different people, when they're confronted with a failure, that they either externalize it or internalize it. So externalizing a failure would be something like saying, oh yeah, that steel target screwed me. Or, oh yeah, my gun is just, it just isn't running right. Internalizing would be something like, I didn't shoot that steel target properly. Or, I didn't do the work to make sure my gun r- runs correctly. So it's, it's, that it's tied up. There's a concept in psychology. I think it is called locus of control, but the idea being when things go bad or things go good, is it, is it something that you did or is it something outside your control? And I think something that I have observed is I think in general, people who are successful tend to, at the very least, let me, let me phrase this carefully. People who are, who externalize failure, who blame Other things blame things external to them for failures that reflect poorly on them tend not to be successful in this sport. And so, my the flip side of that is that I've always assumed that the 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 opposite of that, the fix for that is to internalize failures, to never say, to never just blame the gear or blame the stage or blame the weather, to to always try and modify your process to say, This is a problem. How could I have changed my process? How could I have changed my system to fix it? I think this this fits in with my natural disposition in in the sense that I think I tend to internalize failures by my nature. And so when something goes wrong, I I find it very hard to just chalk it up to, uh, you know, stuff happens. I, I always try and think, okay, if I, you know, if I could go back in time and change the system. What, what would have prevented this error from happening even if I hadn't known it was coming? How, you know, what, what, what item could I add to my checklist or what additional step could I add to my process to fix this? And I think in general, that is a good reaction to failure. I think if every failure you can learn from, then you continue to get better and hopefully you can eliminate them. I mean, that's kind of what the whole last two episodes of the podcast talking about stage by stage, this match. That that went relatively poorly for me. Trying to take a lesson away from each one of it. I mean, this is just this is what I do. It's in my nature. But there, it only goes so far. This is actually something that I was uh, talking to Cody Axon from the the Shoot Fast podcast about this. And what I think the 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 sort of light bulb moment that that he helped me have is that there's actually a middle ground. To me, I've always thought in this in this polar spectrum between internalizing and externalizing. And externalizing is bad, therefore internalizing must be better. But the truth is, in any spectrum, the right way is usually the middle way. It's usually the balance between the two extremes. And I just couldn't figure out what the balance was. And talking to him, he he kind of, the light bulb came on for me that the balance is actually just saying stuff happens and moving on. Just I mean, he he was explicitly talking about this this one bad match with all the rain and the bags and targets, and just saying, you know, just chalk it up and move on. Don't don't beat yourself up too bad about it. Just stuff happens. Move on. And I think I think that's right. I think that's the key. Do the analysis. Do the the watch your film. Try and take away a lesson, but don't assume that everything that goes wrong is a personal failure that you need to fix. Because I think. I've been having a a lot of things go wrong recently and maybe some of them I could definitely some of them I could have fixed. Maybe all of them I could have fixed, but probably not probably I can only tackle so many things at a time. And if my plate is full with dealing with those things, then then additional lower priority, smaller issue things just, just need to be set aside, make a note of it for later. Maybe, although there will probably always be small stuff that that isn't worth bothering with. But Be realistic about your own capacity for internalizing these failures. You can't internalize everything. I certainly can't. And so decide the three most important things to take out of a match and then just let all the other ones go and just don't, don't let it bog you down too much. And so the other, the other side of this internalizing, externalizing spectrum is I, I tend to be extremely hesitant just by my nature. I really don't like blaming my gear for failing. I don't like changing the gear because it's, you know, oh I you know, I need to I need to buy this new whiz-bang gadget that oh the, the, the fix for my problem is this new hammer spring or this new firing pin or this new this new disconnector. I just I yeah, I don't like that stuff. And I think part of that is is by nature. I, I don't really I want to believe and I by my nature I believe that most of the problems can be fixed with what I'm doing, whether it's how I'm loading the ammo, how I'm shooting the gun, what I'm doing. I'm very hesitant to blame the gear. And this has gotten me into trouble before. I mean, one of the the things that I'm actually extremely thankful to my wife for is that around the time we got married, she bought me a 10 folio stock 2 as a wedding present. And up until then, I'd been shooting M&P Pro 9mm plastic striker guns in production. And I just would not let myself admit that they probably were holding me back. I just, I didn't want to think that it was the gear. I didn't want to let that happen. She also, it's funny, I'm, as I'm talking about this, I'm remembering um, the the year before that, she actually had to buy me a, a boss hanger because I just refused to think that that the gear made that much difference. I was like, no, no, I don't need, I don't need that. I mean, at the time I was, I don't know, A class, B class, something like that. So I wasn't, I wasn't super whiz bang fast either, but I just, I didn't want to believe that the gear would fix my problems. I wanted to believe that I could train myself out of it. And so that's, that's my disposition. And so time after time, as I've been having these light primer strike issues for years now, it feels like the conversation always comes up about, Oh, you know, what are you loading? You know, what's your hammer spring? What's your firing pin? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I'm always hesitant to talk here, but I've decided I, I give up. I, I wanted to make CCI primers work. Because I, every, you know, I talk to people, and, and it's probably selective memory on my part too. I would talk to people, and I would say, yeah, you know, thirteen pound hammer spring, CCI primers, and they'd be like, oh yeah, I've I've run thirteen pound hammer spring in a ten folio with CCI primers, no problem. But something about their process is different. I mean, in particular, maybe they're loading on a press that, you know, a ten fifty that swages the primer pocket, or an auto drive that presses the primer in more deeply. But on my six fifty, on my bench. Set in with with my arm, CCI's with that hammer spring, they don't work, and I I just have to get over that. I just you know I have to stop thinking that I can change my process and and realize that trying to chase that goal of trying to make this one brand of stupid primer work in my ammo, it's just pointless. And thankfully, I have friends in the sport and Jarrett, a shooting buddy that I mentioned on on a previous episode. He actually pointed me to a, a bargain on Winchester primers, which I have loaded at least ten thousand of in the past. Early on in my reloading career, that's what I loaded. I didn't even really remember why I got onto CCI primers. I think I just got a bargain on them or something. But it it became this this white whale where I didn't I didn't want to quit. I didn't want to give up by changing brands. I thought, no, I can fix this. I can change I can change my my process. And um no. No, I'm not going to do that anymore. I got I got 15,000 Winchester primers. They they already load noticeably deeper. They they seat much better, and they work great. Now you know the the the, the discussion would always come back to Federals. Oh, if you're having light primer strikes, why don't you load Federals? And I, I'm still I'm still going to draw the line there. I don't want to be relying on having to shoot the ultra soft primers. But Winchesters, they're cheap. They've been pretty pretty steadily reliable. I think, you know, if I keep an eye out, I can I can keep a good stock in. And, and I get to just not care about this problem anymore. This this whole light primer strike nonsense that has just been dogging me and has just been the cherry on top of all these bad matches that's come back to bite me. I just it gets to go away. Hopefully. I'm I'm just assuming, but hopefully, it's done. And so that's that's one example of just not letting myself I guess Hmm. How to put this making myself get out of my own way. I think that's the best way to put it and, and not not letting this be the, the hill I die on because it doesn't matter. I really don't care that much. I, I can't explain why I've I've tried to stick with this one stupid brand of primers, except that I I just don't want to give up. I don't like changing the gear to solve a problem. But at, like I was saying with the, the spectrum thing, changing the gear isn't always the answer, but changing the gear is sometimes the answer. The right way is the middle way. It's the balance. It's striking that balance. And what's so hard about that is knowing when you're in which situation and not always knee-jerk reaction, just going to one answer or the other, but using your judgment, using your experience. And when you're presented with a problem saying, is this a gear problem or is this a training problem? Is this an, is this a, an issue that I need to internalize? Is this an issue I need to externalize? Or is it in the middle? Do I just not care? Do I just move on? Do I just say, Oh, yeah, that one thing happened. I don't know why. I'm not going to worry about it. It's not high enough on my priority list. I've got other things to work on and just, and just move on and just not even care. So that, you know, that's an option too. But trying to be judicious in that, in that balance and using discretion, not always just going back to the same answer for every problem and ultimately being aware of your own. Habits, your own weaknesses. I mean, I think in this case, my my habit of internalizing is in some ways a strength, but it is also in some ways a weakness. And strengths are like that. Your greatest strength is probably in some ways also your greatest weakness. And that's—I know that's a very Zen idea, but um, it's certainly something. The, the longer I spend in the sport, and the longer I spend on this earth, that I I really see more truth in. So, yeah, that could be that could be a whole episode in itself. But anyway. So those are – that's how I'm trying to dig myself out of this rut. So we'll see if it works. I got another six weeks or so, five weeks, something like that, until, until the South Carolina match. And it's going to come. And if the weather's good, I'll practice. If the weather's not good, then I won't. And I, I won't try and hold myself to some some idea, some perfect calendar that, that I planned out ahead of time and and try and grit my way through it because it's it's not productive. And ultimately, this is just a hobby. And if I burn myself out in February – when I've got nine months to go until nationals, that's not productive, and so I'm not going to do that. Well, that wraps up this episode of Short Course. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago the page that I put up at BarryShooting.com/gear with just all the different match gear, but also range bag and practice equipment stuff that I that I use. I've been adding to it over the past couple weeks since I put it up when I sort of think of something else that I think is useful. So give it a give it a look. BarryShooting.com/gear. Most of the stuff I've been adding recently is more either practice supplies or range bag gear, so things like having a good clipboard for practice if you're someone who writes things down like I do, or the the OG metal oiler pen that's indestructible and, and won't leak all over your bag, stuff like that. So give it a look. I've got links to, to most of the stuff that's available on Amazon and you know the, the other shooting-specific stuff. You know where to get that stuff from. But if you'd like to see the video of the Two recent USPSA matches that I talked about, they're on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash benberryuspsa. My email is podcast at barryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.